The Habonim Ultimate Gathering, or Hug, took place on the 28th of October in Israel at a kibbutz Tzora. Over 300 participants from around the world attended and had an opportunity to schmooze with old friends, reflect on what was, and to plan for the future. Theatre director and art consultant Alan Swerdlow was there. He joins me now to tell me more. Alan, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you very much indeed. I'm still on this incredible high from having attended Hug. It is, it was one of the most extraordinary experiences, I think, of not only my life, but a lot of people who attended from all over the world. And was this incredible reiteration of how important the Habonim experience that we all had in our youth was to our lives and in fact how it has carried on affecting our lives all the way through. Um, so Alan, let's this, just start with how and when you got involved with Habonim. Uh, a long time ago as a very young Chanech, um, uh, Part of it was due to the fact that a cousin of my father, a first cousin, was very involved in Habonim, and he had been, he was one of the founders of Kibbutz Tzorah, and he came back to South Africa as a shaliach for Habonim, and when my brother and I were of a suitable age, uh, he encouraged our parents to send us to Habonim, and we became involved in that way. And we went through the entire system, both my brother and I, as Hanichim, moving up, becoming Madrichim at a later point, and then going on Machon to Machon Madrichei Chutzlaritz, the Institute for Youth Leaders in Jerusalem, coming back, being involved in the leadership of the movement. And so it went. Uh, my brother went on Aliyah, uh, I did not, but I kept going back to Israel all the time. And this is the amazing thing, how the links have been maintained with people all this time. I was meeting up with people I hadn't seen face-to-face in 50 years. And it was just that there was really, you know, it's an old cliche, but we picked up where we left off. It was absolutely extraordinary from that sense. But the amazing thing about this, this gathering, it, I must put it into context. It was meant to celebrate the 90th anniversary of the founding of Habonim in South Africa. And it was meant to take place in 2020. And of course, we all know what happened in 2020. So it was put off until 2021 and then put off again until this year. So it was the 90 plus celebration of Habonim in South Africa. And I can tell you that as people were packing up and getting ready to leave the kibbutz and go off back to their lives, wherever they were, the buzzword was, right, 95th. We've got to do it again for the 95th. So it has really affected us. Being a Habonim uh, function, if you want to call it that, an event, it wasn't just about the schmoozing and the meeting old friends and, gosh, you've got old and so have you and all of that going on. Um, but there was a huge educative side to the entire gathering. 
And it was spread out over a week. And it was designed to give particularly uh, people from Chutzlaret, people from outside of Israel who are living all over the world, uh, a look at where Israel is today. And, of course, we were there just before the elections. Uh, so there was a huge educative side to it. It was almost like for a week there was a, a, a traditional Habonim seminar, you know, one of those winter seminars we used to have, or a, a summer camp, a machane. Started off on the Monday with what they called the A-Guard. The A-Guard was the advance guard. Those were people who went down to the campsite to set it up and prepare it for the summer camp each year. This was a smaller group that did a tour of Israel to certain select spots to meet with people, to see certain issues that were being dealt with. They went to visit sites up in the far north on the Jordan River, uh, in Jerusalem, the Sea of Galilee. They were there um, uh, meeting with an old uh, member of Habunim who had a lot to say, talk about it. That was for two days. Then the next two days were a, a proper full-on program, which took off at a hotel on a kibbutz in the Judean Hills, Lovely hotel. We started each day, breakfast, obviously. Then there was a scene set. There was a particular individual who came to set the topic for the day, in a way, and explain certain things about Israeli society. And I must point out that the people who spoke to us were from the top echelon of people in Israel. It was absolutely extraordinary. First day, we go off jump into buses, go off to Jaffa. We had a panel made up of five journalists, including Anshul Pfeffer, who is probably one of the top journalists in Israel. I mean, Anshul Pfeffer was talking to Habonim people. You know, he writes for the New York Times, he writes for The Guardian, he writes for Haaretz. And uh, there were people from the entire spectrum giving us viewpoints about the election and uh, the issues involved. And then, you know, then you break for coffee. Of course, it was food, lots of food. We were in Israel. We couldn't stop eating. I mean, every time you paused, somebody was there with a plate of something saying, you've got to keep up your strength, you know, full on bit. And a degree much higher than, you know, machane, uh, summer camp cooking, I must say, at a very high level. We then went went up onto the roof of this place where we were having this gathering and which had a view of Jaffa. And we met with four people who live in Jaffa and a panel, two Arabs, two Jews, to talk about what happened last year with the riots. And these were people for whom life in Jaffa was an integral part of their they, – they wanted to be there because it is a multicultural city, because – it is Jews and Arabs together and Christians and the, the full range. And of course, the riots last year came as a huge shock and they spoke about the experience, about the reset, about what they're trying to do to make things better, to get back as it were to normal, things like that. Lunch, 
off on a graffiti tour of Jaffa. Now, it's, graffiti isn't just tagging in Israel. It's not a matter of, you know, getting your name on something. It has a social significance. And each of the small groups, we broke up into small groups, went off to do that. And um, the guides uh, could explain, could put everything into context, uh, social commentary. Um, the one that struck me was a woman who is, in fact, a very well-known poet a published poet, but she goes out and she writes poems on street walls. And they, they're they quite extraordinary, and she does them as graffiti. Other people commenting on on issues, uh, obviously, within the area. So great eye-opener. Off to another area, uh, we walked up to uh, what had been the American-German colony, in Tel Aviv, the Templars, not the old Crusader Templars, the 19th century Templars. And there we met with a guy who's involved in conflict resolution. And the way he does it is he's trying to get people to argue properly and uh, to get away from the screaming match that seems to have become discourse. Uh, in the modern world today with the polarization, written a book, uh, stories for the sake of argument, stories meant to provoke argument. But he spoke to us before about, and, you know, it's a very Jewish thing, uh, arguing, I think. Uh, but he, and he, he seized on that and he, he said, we know how to argue and you've got to get back to that way. So it's not the confrontational screaming at somebody. It's making your points and your, you know, your opinions, uh, putting them across very clearly and succinctly, but listening to other people and being able to counter introduced us to a very important little change where he said, we so often say in the course of an argument, yes, but. And he said, it shouldn't be. That's confrontational. It should be, yes, and I've heard you. I've taken on board what you had to say, but I wish to add to that. Things like that. Back to the hotel. Oh, of course, there were furious arguments with the stories that we did discuss. Back to the hotel, dinner, and then we viewed a film that is going to I think be very, very powerful. It's a documentary that was made. It's called Hebron 02. It's about a specific area of Hebron, and it's about what is actually going on in Hebron. Uh, we were the third group to see it because it was shown at Doku, the uh, documentary film festival in Israel, earlier this year. It was shown to another group, I think, that were connected somehow, and then we got a chance, the Habonimniks got a chance to see it, introduced by Stephen Silver, who um, was one of the guys who made the Bang Bang Club, if you remember that film. He's made Aliyah, ex-Habonimnik, lives in Israel. He was the moderator, and we had the filmmakers there. I must say, it came as a huge shock to a lot of us to, to see this film, but it was an extraordinary thing that we had to see, uh, raising issues that... Uh, I mean, put people into quite a state afterwards. Ended the evening, uh, instead of the traditional campfire and cocoa, uh, <laughs> it's a, a, a campfire and, and whiskey. Ellen, Ellen and that was day one. 
And, and we won't unfortunately have time to go through all the days, but I will ask you quickly the negotiation skills that you'd learned um, earlier in the day. Uh, I, I hear you, and did that come into good play after the dis- when you had the discussion around the Hebron movie, or was it a bit of a screaming match? It did definitely. Definitely, definitely. I just want to very, you know, the, the, the big point about the second day of all of that was we were taken to see projects, small projects all over Jerusalem where people are doing extraordinary things in a quiet way, just getting on. A, you know, they say don't sweat the small stuff. But here the, the message was the opposite. It was sweat the small stuff. Forget about the big socio-political issues. There was a, a group that is doing food rescue at Jerusalem's um, wholesale market. Incredible. Getting food, perfectly good food that was being thrown away, reduced to waste, sending it out to areas where people are in need, making sure people get fed and rescuing huge amounts of food. We went to a group that does conflict resolution on Hartzion, and there's a lot of uh, conflict on Hartzion, as you can imagine, also run by an ex-South African, um, doing little things, getting things like streetlights in East Jerusalem uh, repaired, uh, potholes filled in, uh, empowering particularly women in East Jerusalem, to do things. But it's not just located there. They deal with issues right across the spectrum. And the last group was an extraordinary group that uh, is run by a guy who is an architect, uh, Arab, came back from his training, realized the need for urban planning in East Jerusalem. Whilst he was doing this, uh, was looking at found spaces, reclaimed spaces, and looked at the fact that a lot of the rooftops uh, are not being used in Jerusalem. Started this incredible scheme of empowering uh, women. They each get two hives to put on their roofs. They raise, they make honey. They raise honey, as well as doing a green roof with vegetables and fruit, which they can sell or use for themselves. The honey, of course, they can sell on, and it raises pretty good prices. These women have been empowered, a little tiny thing like that. And it's something that I've come back and thought, it's something, it's a message I can carry into South Africa, because these small projects work. And then the final day, of course, was the actual gathering on Surah, which was emotional, which was uh, just incredible. But again, this thread of what being part of Habonim was and is to us. And the wonderful thing was that we had uh, 10 people from the leadership of Habonim in South Africa today came over to be part of this whole thing. And we were blown away by them because they... We know the movement is in very good, very safe hands. And they're preparing at the moment for Habonim Machane, the first camp since uh, COVID. Wonderful experience. Anybody listening to this, if you're wondering what to do with your kids for uh, the summer holes, it's going to be amazing. And 
if you can see my enthusiasm and, you know, hear how impassioned I have been by this whole process, give your kids the gift of being part of this extraordinary experience. And it is something that shapes their lives all the way through. We're the proof of it. There were people who were in their 80s at this gathering. And they are still diehard Habonimniks in that sense. Um, and I think uh, I'm curious to know the relationship between the kind of the 80 year olds and the new guard and the interaction between them. Or was it everybody kind of more or less staying to those that they knew or countries? I mean, the, the article in the Jewish report was like, well, 40s Zimbabweans, ex Zimbabweans met up and I can just imagine the conversation there. There was a lot in terms of, I mean, I was, it was wonderful for me to, to meet up with a lot of my favorite from way back people I'd been on Machon with, things like that. Very emotional. It really was. Um, but the extraordinary thing, the way the day was structured, uh, meant that there was a lot of interaction. And in fact, the older member of the, uh, members of the movement went out to make contact with the younger management of of the movement the leadership and it, it was it was you know i watched gideon tony shimoni who are in their 80s having a wonderful discussion with one of the young madrishim who had come over and it was on the same level it wasn't old people talking down to young people or young people tolerating these older people they were on the same ground they were talking the same issues they they connected immediately. It, that for me, and we also had these people with us on the going off to these various projects and things like that. So there was a lot of uh, chance to uh, interact with them, and um, it was wonderful. I mean, I'm going to carry now that I'm back in South Africa. I'm just it's an open thing for me. Anything that I can do for these. Uh, young leaders, um, I will gladly do because I think these traditional Jewish youth movements, whatever the ideology, and of course Habonim had a very strong social uh, aspect, social and socialist aspect to its ideology, and still does. It, 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 what it does for people, it's the most perfect non-academic education you could probably receive and i think it is absolutely vital that habonim and all of the youth movements carry on as south africa changes as the world changes as israel changes habonim drawer is still here and it's doing wonderful work it's incredible i mean what you're talking about really is creating the t- the bonds the ties that bond, you know, the gener- intergenerational, yeah. ideological. And I love that comment that you made about the best informal education you have. And people talk, always talk so fondly of their memories of camp and fellow people that they met. And really what you described sounds incredible. So there is one to look forward to in two years' time. We hope. <laughs> I think they're organizing as an amazing team again. You know, the people in Israel, Dave Bloom and his entire team, just the, the the level, as I say, I could not believe the level of people they got to talk to us, for us to interact with. 
we're talking about top rung of of Israeli society and and beyond, you know, into the world beyond. It's not just a narrow, narrow aspect. This is very wide-reaching. Well, Alan, thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you. That was Alan Swerdler uh, telling us about the Habonim Ultimate Gathering, or HAG as they call it, that took place in Israel on the 28th of October.